Um, Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.28pm. Oops, we're a little bit late. So, here we are. We're welcome. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow till we die. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. There we go. Well, welcome, dear listener, watcher, oblique subscriber. <laughs> it, Wherever the hell you're getting us. Well, to be fair, th- this could be a bit of a wild ride today, couldn't it, Simon? Um, it Well, it, it's not the episode that we'd originally planned. No. Um, if you might have seen some of our stuff, I've just noticed that in the background I've left one of the lights on in my front room, so it looks like I've got a halo. I, I'm a good boy, honest. Oh, but, we, we'll go with that. Okay. Alexa, sofa off. Um, so... Um, yes, so we've got, and this is where Alexa is now. Oh, yeah, finally caught up with me, thanks. So, yes, we'd originally planned to line up three episodes where we were going to speak to uh, different new, first, well, first-time candidates, yep. one from each of the major parties. We'd also actually reached out to the Greens and asked them to supply someone, so they were also going to look into um, getting one of their guys to, um, to volunteer to come on, because um, we felt it was um, way past time that we'd actually had someone from the Greens on. Um, and we'd lined up Kirsty Meller to come onto the onto the show this evening, and in fact, she was um, she was even going to come to the studio in the original plan. Um, and then lots of things happened this mm. week. So um, I don't know if anybody's aware, but there's some stuff about this virus going around, um, and not as in one that puts kind of dodgy stuff onto your desktop, but um, as in you know the coronavirus, um, and that's caused us to rethink our plans in the, and. But it's also caused lots of people to rethink their plans because there's lots of lots of things that have changed. So um, not the least of which, although to be fair, the least important of which it is the local elections that were originally planned to take place alongside the police and crime commissioner elections on yep. the 7th of May. Um, they have now been scheduled to take place next year. Um, now that means that all of the um, existing councillors whose term was up basically get to stay in post for a year um whether that works well for them or not i mean we spoke to john last week we can come on to that later can't we so yeah so we'll come on to that a bit later so yes so um i guess this is a very babbling way of me saying originally we'd lined up to have kirsty miller on the show um but she'd contacted us yesterday to say that she wouldn't be able to come onto the show because um her party's taken a decision not to uh, not to do any campaigning, um, and she felt that it wasn't appropriate for her to her to come on um, to the interview um, in those circumstances. So and that's a shame. We're quite disappointed by that because we were looking forward to meeting her. Yeah, no, I think very di- disappointed because I think you know ultimately, uh, whilst you know, uh, I think our style is not necessarily it's a campaign platform. It's an opportunity for. You know, for people to come on and and share some views, and um, yeah, so a little bit sad that hasn't happened. And obviously, you know, we've now got to fess up that with 24 hours to go, we had to create a, an entire show for today, um, which means that our usual slick production <laughs> values, and incisive commentary, and well-researched um, factoids might be a little bit um a little bit loose. So. If well, you the are facts, out there, the facts are there. The, the fa- there are some facts there. There are uh, some of it we might have to busk, but obviously, 
you know, if anybody is out there and has an opinion on everything that's going on at the moment, then please feel free to phone in. It's not that we're desperate for some people to fill some airtime, but we really would love to hear from you on our number, which is 07 something, 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 something. <laughs> okay, well, well, that works. Um, I thought now, you knew it. After the, well, not offhand, after the issues that we had with connections last week, I've cobbled together using oh, uh, my honest. mobile as um, as as basically as a as a well we're using the internet connection on my mobile today instead of trying to use my rubbish Wi-Fi because that's bound to kind of glitz up again. So um, and, and the hotline number is saved on my phone, funnily enough, but it's in one of our posts. Okay. So, uh, but I've also got it written on a piece of paper here somewhere. He says. Oh, I think it's O seven. I know that it ends in nine nine nine. Yeah, it's O seven four seven five. Something 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 nine nine nine. So we're down to really. It's it's only. Oh, well, you, you're making it so easy. Does anybody know our number? <laughs> just that, that's <laughs> good. Okay, I'm just going to go on the phone. It's only a thousand to one. Find it. Find it out. You can't. The phone's. So to give you an idea of the technical setup here, <laughs> the phone is precariously balanced in the handle of a Dyson Hoover. Other Hoovers are available, not in Simon's flat, um, to stop it falling on the floor. So, it's, it's um, well, no, but that's the phone. So the hotline phone isn't balanced on the vacuum cleaner. My personal phone is balanced right, on the vacuum so cleaner. So, um, Robert Peston doesn't have to put up with this, does he? Uh, no, he really doesn't. I don't see them in the Andrew Marr show this morning. Guys, hey, we got Dyson. We can just balance. <laughs> But then, but you know, there we go. So um, I shall find the number shortly. He says, "Oh, um, yes." So it is oh seven four seven five eight three seven nine nine nine. Oh, that's so 07-475-837-999. I should like put that on well, something important. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll remember that for next time. So yeah, if well, you if you do want to, if you have a comment or a question. By all means, send us a text, um, and um, we'll figure out if we want to talk to you, and then we'll then we maybe call you back. Sorry, what I mean is, yes, give us a call. Um, we'd love to hear from you, but we do actually have a plan for today. So we, we do. Did, we do. We, we did knock something together. So going back to our back to our kind of listeners, you wanted to. So one of the biggest things that happened this week that actually probably has had got swamped, didn't it? That got absolutely no coverage that it would normally get. So it would normally consume the media for the rest of the week. Was Rishi Sunak's first budget? First budget. What a great budget it was. Was it? I think so. Well, it's a funny was old. It? it was a funny old budget, wasn't it? Because it was an well, element. No one can remember it, and no one really cares. Well, about it. The, the, ultimately, there's some. You know, there was some good stuff in there. Did he quite stick to the three fiscal rules of the Conservative manifesto? Yes, if you ignore the extra money that has been put aside for your coronavirus arrangements. And you know, it it was a it was a budget that when you looked at it, it, it was pretty spendy. It did not have the uh, it did not have the cold austere feel of uh, of the the last few years budgets. And um, I think it's you know it, it's an interesting one. There was a discussion where I think it was the, the question was you know has Labour shaped the narrative on Tory spending policy? And I. You know, I hate to say it, but I think to a greater or lesser degree, they have in the last election and the election before. You know, they convinced, or well, they didn't convince the electorate there was as much money as they pretended there was, but you know, they 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 definitely, you know, they definitely got a. Uh, we've now got a conservative who is perhaps 
less fiscally prudent. So if you're saying that the Labour Party have pretty much, and, and I don't, I, to, to be honest, I don't, I don't agree with the kind of, I know you're quite a fiscally conservative kind of conservative. Oh, yes. Um, but um, I, I think there were other things that he, he could have done that were better, but it was weird to, um, it, it, uh, it, it was strange that um, there were lots of things that were talked about, but to be honest with you, the only thing that kind of grabbed my attention was he setting, setting aside 30 billion pounds um, to deal with the impact of coronavirus, which obviously meant that the government were doing a sensible thing and putting aside money to deal with it, which on one hand you could interpret to say they're obviously in- interpreting it to be a to be a massive impact. On the other hand, if they'd done nothing and you know then they'd be being screamed at for not not preparing. So it's kind of you know a, a, a bit kind of thing. But I I just kind of felt that if the Labour Party are dictating what the Conservative parties Financial, bit okay. So if the Labour Party, sorry, if the Conservative Party have stolen some of the Labour Party's approach to fiscal prudence, mm-hmm. or what your perception is of, you know, their their approach to it, because to be fair, they weren't saying they would spend more on day to day spending. They were saying they were going to spend more on infrastructure spending. Yeah, right. So, um, so to be fair to them, but if the Labour, if the Conservatives have have misappropriated some Labourish policies, as far as you're concerned, because you're quite fiscally conservative. And the Conservatives have absorbed Nigel Farage's foreign policy. Oh, I think that's probably then. A bit then far. what's the point of the Conservatives? Well, the thing is that again, this is where you know ideological dogma is. You need to be, you need to flex as the wind blows, Simon. This is the, this is the modern way, isn't it? Is you that know? just another way of saying populism? Oh, there is an element of you have to have a degree of populism to get elected, don't you? Well, you, this is true. You, you have to, you have to, you know, to some if, degree, if you're in a democratic po- system, you have to be popular yeah, to get yeah. elected. But yeah, you if know. you're not, if you're not popular, you could end up with as little as you, you, twelve MPs. That yeah, would be a disaster. Um, well, um, so there is an element of look, kind of, we're, we're gently ribbing each yes, other, yeah, but, but there is, gently, there is an element of yeah. look. The borrowing for infrastructure for me that makes sense. Um, you know, interest rates are very low at the moment. God knows what's going to happen in the next, you know, twelve months. Obviously, it's been, you know, it's been a one hell of a week um but there is an element it's one way of describing yeah, it. yeah but there is an element of you know some stuff around the minimum wage again that that moving up gently incrementally is 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 lib dem policy is lib dem policy which we see you know we are we will we will take good ideas from wherever they come Simon. still yeah, but to be fair and this is where i think you've got to be fair you know Everyone, you would have expected that in 2015, when the Conservatives won an overall majority, the warm, fluffy, sparkly, tarts and flowers loving from the Lib Dems, we would have binned all of that, wouldn't we? And said, right, back to the policy of of being horrid. Uh, and, you, and to be fair, you did. No, we didn't. So, we um, but anyway, it, but so, so the budget was kind of interesting, but yep. it was foreshadowed by events. And then, so the budget went on. Uh, people were starting to make a few comments in it, and then, of course, everything this week has then been overshadowed by the coronavirus and everything that comes with it. Yes. So, um, sorry, I'm having so many connection problems. So, yeah. So, yes, we've got. It, it's impacted lots of different things in in the sense of, uh, to be honest, uh, we kind of. We were in two minds actually about whether to talk about this a lot in our in our episode because 
to be frank, there's wall-to-wall coverage of Everywhere. it in the media anyway. Um, and we're not, well, we're not, you know, we're, we're not doctors, we're not virologists, we're not going to give you um, medical information, we're not going to give you medical advice. The only thing we're going to say is if you are uncertain of anything, you want to understand how, uh, what symptoms to look out for, whether you should or shouldn't um, voluntarily isolate yourself, um, and, and when and how you should seek medical assistance, we're going to direct you to the NHS website. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, those are the people that know what they're talking about. There's far too much rubbish, and I'm being kind on Facebook about all bilge. sorts of strange stuff. Bilge, that, describe uh, it as. Um, uh, yeah, I think bilge is even too kind, to be yeah. honest, but utterly irresponsible nonsense on Facebook. So if you want advice about that, please go to the appropriate places to get it. Please go to the NHS website, and we'll put a link in the, in the post. Um, but yes, you go to there and just Google NHS um COVID-19 and they all they will give you sorry COVID not COVID-19 sounds like a car COVID-19 and they will give you um that you'll get the link and you'll get some responses there um but yeah so it's caused an impact on the local elections then I think um to be fair um there was some suggestions or some people were you know certainly in you know the people that I talked to from varying different parties were of the opinion of will it or, or won't it will that will they be delayed um, and there's precedent for the locals being delayed. In 2001, Tony Blair delayed them. Foot and mouth, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so he, d- he delayed the local elections and the general um, by a month, basically because of foot and mouth. Um, and um, that, you know, the point at the time, the decision was made to delay them by a month rather than leave an open-ended delay because that wouldn't be a correct thing for the democratic process was effectively kind of the words that he said at the time. Um, but the government have been specific and basically put them back by a year. So the Electoral Commission recommended on Friday, actually later in the day on Friday, so after uh, the PM had uh, made a speech um, with regards to the, um, regard to the, the, the situation, um, and you know the government made made the call on Saturday to basically say that uh, said that the you know the elections were going to be put back. Yeah, um, the Electoral Commission I think originally said they, they wanted them in the autumn or yes. suggested they should move them to the autumn. And uh, they've gone for the full year's delay. Yeah, which is which is an interesting thing. Listening to some of the stuff that was talked about about when when or when not, you know, the uh, unexpected peak might be about to occur. Then, you know, to be honest, a delay to autumn might not actually be good enough. Which I guess makes the sense of the year, but it it removes that. Um, it it means that um, officers in local council councils or in in any in any form of um, in any form of government aren't having to worry about those sorts of things. And to be honest, people can be concentrating on dealing with the issue of the day rather than yeah. uh, dealing with dealing with campaigning. I mean, we had a, a, a little look this morning, and I think it you know it is an interesting situation for Portsmouth because if you look at the fourteen wards that were up for election this time. Um, I think I counted at least half a dozen candidates who are currently standing councillors who had intended to stand down at this election or were going to stand down close to it. So obviously probably the most high profile of those, Stephen Morgan, was stepping down and Kirsty Mello, who should have been with us today, was looking to try and retain that ward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Donna Jones looked like the favourite for the Police and Crime Commissioner, so that would have been two of the group leaders stood down. Um, John Ferret, who was with us last week, you know, again, last week his plans were to stand down and uh, I think he's now looking as to whether 
you know, he can manage to do an extra year. And I think there were some, you know, there were some other folks who, who were also um, looking to pass the baton on. Uh, yeah, there there was some yeah some some people across the board that were that were looking to pass that on. Obviously, um, I don't think the other parties had announced what their um, candidates were for PCC, so the uh, Police and Crime Commissioner. But uh, again, and and I don't th- I think um, we hadn't. I think the Labour Party had kind of started to tease out who their candidates were. Um, some of the Conservatives had become obvious. Um, but I don't think there'd been any kind of like big massive announcements yet about who's anyone's candidates were. No. So the interesting thing will be, you know, are those are those councillors that are that are existing, you know, the existing elected councillors, are they in a situation because you know people's personal situations can mm. change? Are they in a situation where they can you know, they can continue to do that? Because um, even if they stand down, um, even if they resigned. Um, we don't really want a by-election at this point because that's nope. the whole point of moving the election. So it depends on how the legislation is set up by government as to as to what happens with that. Um, and also the the existing people that were lining up to, to be candidates, whether they were announced as such or not, would have been doing things to prepare for their campaign and get ready for the last kind of eight, you know, ten, eight to ten weeks of, of that campaign. Mm. Um, and... Um, and now we're not. And in a year's time, they may or may not be in a situation where they they're able to um, able to be candidates. So it's so it's put all of that into the air. But to be honest with you, that is a massively secondary thing to you know to be honest to making sure that you know people can get on um, and have what they need to do to um, to to be able to tackle this you know the pandemic. Mm. And, and to deal with the, the kind of issues issues around that without the distraction basically of of, of party politics so the, yeah that's it, it will cause um conversations and cause deliberations for um existing councillors and for potential candidates um but i'm sure all of them oh and then when you look at it up against the want, against yeah. the background it's yeah. that you know, based on the mood music we've had this week, it, mm. it it feels like a no-brainer. So you know, it kind of will just it, it, that one is the I think the first of the of many things where we will you know the the, the phrase "it is what it is" I, I think is going to come out fairly regularly. You know, if you look at it uh, from a sporting perspective, it started with you know the some of the Six Nations rugby being postponed. Um, you know, even go back a couple of weeks, the, 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 you know, the Scotland, I think it was the Scotland-Wales women's game got postponed because one of the Scotland players tested positive, having been in Italy two weeks earlier. Um, you know, and then I think the Football League then, or Football then announced it was cancelling all football till, I want to say the 2nd of April, but that felt like it was just kicking the can down the street three weeks, because um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure anything's going to be fundamentally different or indeed better in three weeks' time. So, you know, we are starting to see some of these sort of major gatherings be cancelled. And I think that kind of leads us on to the, you know, there's been an awful lot of coverage on social media about the government's approach to, you know, this pandemic and, and, and how does that line up with the the actions that some of the other 
you know, some other governments in, in Europe and in, across the world are taking. Um, indeed, and I'll get to um, I'll get to listing out some of the some of the actions that other countries uh, have taken in a second. I thought at this point let's um, let's let's just remind ourselves what uh, what the prime minister said on Friday, um, and we'll 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 make some comment on that, and we'll play a, play a little bit of of that speech. This is if the technology works because we were having problems with the connection yep. and so forth. But if not, you'll hear swearing. It continues and will continue to spread across the world and our country over the next few months. We've done what can be done to contain this disease, and this has brought us valuable time, but it's now a global pandemic, and the number of cases will rise sharply. Indeed, the true number of cases is higher, perhaps much higher than the number of cases we have so far confirmed with tests. And I've got to be clear, we've all got to be clear, this is the worst public health crisis for a generation. Some people compare it to seasonal flu. Alas, that is not right. Owing to the lack of immunity, this disease is more dangerous and it's going to spread further. And I, I must level with you, level with the, the British public. Um, more families, uh, many more families, are going to lose loved ones before their time. And so I'm going I'm to... Mm. Pause him there. So you know, just just that kind of last bit. I mean, to be really honest with you, that's that's quite a that's well, that's a very dramatic statement. It's the sort of thing you'd expect to be coming from the mouth of John Sims at the beginning of a of a David Tennant um, episode of Doctor Who. You know, it's that you know that kind of level of, um, you know, be prepared. But sadly, you know, sadly, some people, you know, some people are going to lose family members. That's um, that's quite a. That that's kind of quite a stark thing, and the and the other thing that um which he said earlier on was about you know talking about our, our ability to um, contain our ability to detect to the numbers and and what the chief um, medical officer went on to explain, or the chief scientific advisor went on to explain later on in the in the press conference was that they they estimated that although we we'd tested at that point. Um, uh, I think the number of, of people that have been tested in the UK is about 40,000. Mm -hmm. um, but most of the vast majority of them haven't actually, um, well, uh, the tests have been negative. Yeah. Um, but, but what they were saying at that point was that they, they felt that, um, that perhaps the numbers of people actually in the populace that had the virus was possibly actually closer to, you know, to five to 10,000 people. So, you know, at that point, if they're if they're spread in in different parts across the country, you can understand why you move from a, as they described, contained to delay phase. Yeah. Because um, unless you're gonna be able to test enough people to be able to identify all of the cases and then isolate them. Well, that oh. that is the problem. So the the issue now is that the genie is out of the bottle. Mm -hmm. So you have a situation, and I think it's you know that some of the medical evidence has shown that you have people who are what's known as asymptomatic spreaders, which means they are people who do not feel unwell, they don't deploy any of the symptoms or a very mild form of the symptoms, and they go about their normal business and they are infectious. And the fact is that once you get to that stage or, or once you're in the situation where you can't contain the virus, then the, the to-keep testing kind of almost becomes a, a fool's errand in itself mm. um, because well, it, it's out there. 
And so it's then about slowing down the spread and minimizing the impact. And I think, you know, and again, with, with all of these things, you know, people are trying to skew, you know, sometimes are trying to avoid the party politics at the moment. There is an element of Boris got a fair chunk of criticism for using the, the language that he did. You know, my my personal view is that he was very honest. It, you know, the, the, the reality is that people are going to lose loved ones. And we've seen it, you know, we've seen it just in the last two, three days. Unfortunately, the number of people have died um, you know, from the disease have leapt up markedly in the last two days and uh, yeah we've um it were the the people that the number of people in the uk that have passed away from the from the virus is now 35 um so it's gone up from it being 21 you know a total of 21 yesterday and it being 10 the day before yeah so it you know it's uh, it went up by 11 on Hang on, this is where my math... Uh, 11, so up, uh, 11 and 14, 11. so, yeah. So, it's, you know, so in that respect, again, that's just, you know, that's two data points. So, you know, this, is, it, the, this is the other thing, is that there are lots of armchair statisticians or lots of armchair virologists who will kind of speak to comment as to as to what is the, you know, whether, a, you know, a particular way of, of approaching it is the right way or the wrong way. Um I don't know what the right or the wrong way is. I'm not a scientist. I'm not. I'm not a doctor. And I'm. I'm. I think there is a. I think the there is a question to be asked about. Okay, why? And this is what we were talking about, which is why. Why is you know what is the difference between our uh, the UK approach and, and other countries' approach? And we'll talk about what other countries have done mm. in a second. But I guess from a point of view of which is right and which is wrong, um, you'll never know. No, well. In a couple of months' time. Nope. Nope. No, no, you won't. You won't ever know, because there's an element of, you know, the the approach that the government is taking. You know, there is an element of you can never recreate the the, you know, you can never recreate the circumstances exactly the same again. So there's an element of, you might get an indicative, feel, but you are not going to know definitively as to whether the right steps have been taken, um, and I think. You know, there is an element, and this is where I, I, I've seen so much ridiculousness on social media. Yeah, Boris is doing that. Dominic Cummings is doing the other. What is Boris and his Dominic? Uh, absolutely not. It, it, they are doing what the chief medical officer and the chief scientific advisors and their teams will be telling them. You know, there there is an element of this is beyond politics. This is This is science and it's medicine and, you know, the, the the one thing that you know, if I get a look at the UK approach, I went back today and watched program from two thousand and eighteen, uh, which went under the hashtag of BBC Pandemic. Oh yeah, they um, was this the show where they asked people to download an app that simulated uh, the spread of a virus? Absolutely. Now yeah. the fascinating thing, and it's worth putting a link in the because I think they've pulled it. No, no, no. It's, it's no. they pulled it and it's back. Okay. So, so it is there. Well, how long that stays? But what that showed was clearly that at the time, and bear in mind this was March to December two thousand and eighteen, the modelling that had been done on the spread of a pandemic was done with a minuscule sample size, hmm. with a couple of hundred people. That experiment, which was the biggest social experiment of its time, had nearly thirty thousand people who contributed 
to allow them to build the statistical model. And it was clear at the time, and bear in mind this is you know, not knowing what we know today, that that piece of work was absolutely cutting edge and groundbreaking and was real data gathered from within the UK. Now, I would bet my left leg to an acre of Swedes that it is that, it, it's a lot of the output from that experiment which is driving the scientific community, you know, in terms of their decision-making now. Because, you know, comparing it to what they had before as a statistical model, it was night and day different. Um, to be really honest with you, and this is a phrase that I think a lot more people should be saying um, in the, in this regard, I don't know, because I'm not party to those conversations. No. And, and I don't know if, um, to be honest, what I can't make sense of is if that is the case, would we not have shared that ob those observations with other countries? And if that's the case, why didn't any of them well, um, agree, to, agree to follow it? And um, I, I guess... I guess to be honest, we're not in a we're not in a situation, and this this is why we we were clear at the start of the episode. We don't want to second guess the no. the scientific advice because at the end of the day, we're not party to it. But it do some of the things that I to be honest, some of the things that I would criticise would be how the how you know some of the the comms is being handled because unless the unless um, there may well you know at the end of the day, I can I can see rationally and logically and personally watching it and listening to it myself i yep. i believe and follow the, the the advice that's being given and to me i can see how that can make sense but i don't think when you look at the reaction of the country the country are being t you know i don't think the country are following along with that when you look at how people are responding in supermarkets and we'll talk about that in a bit um that's not kind of happening you know things like um matt hancock making a statement as an op-ed in the Sunday Times today, instead of a press announcement from Number Ten or from him to, you know, basically as a, as a press announcement, is that I think it's right that this isn't a party political issue because at the end of the day there are more important things than party politics. But when you've got a government where there is a sizable portion of the country don't trust what they say and do because but there's of nothing, how they but do it. But there is nothing that they could do to change that, Simon. Well, and that's and that is I, that is mm. that is the issue that I have. So, you know, uh, and again, I saw threads today, mm. which were um, Matt Hancock says that we're going to have to isolate all the older people for four months. He never said that. That just did not happen. And then people were, you know, were were raging against that. And and you've seen them yourself this mm. week. Oh, this is just a plot from the Tories to kill off the sick and the disabled, isn't it? I've been waiting for something like this for years. This is eugenics. This is what the Tories want. They're going to kill all the old people. They'll be delighted at that. They'll be dancing and partying because all the old people will be dead. Well, that and just that, doesn't make sense because but, most of the, by demographic, most of the Tory voters... But people well. are posting that online. Yeah. And if they genuinely believe that that's the case... There is literally nothing that you can do to, to change. If your bias is such that you think the I, biggest political party in the country would intentionally develop a policy to kill sick and elderly people, you are beyond help. Um, I think maybe some people um, saying those sorts of things um, might well be beyond reachable from a point of view of being able to rationalise them and turn. And we saw we've we've seen this in other, in other 
um, in other issues in our society over the last four years, frankly. Yeah. Um, but the point is, is that it isn't necessarily those people that are so adamant that they won't ever change their views. You know, uh, and I'll mention it briefly. And it, when you, you kind of look at, you look at, use, I'm going to use Brexit as an example from a the split of the country point of view. I yeah. don't want to talk. I don't want to no. talk about Brexit itself. But from a point of view of, on each end, there were people that were absolutely unequivocally never going to move from their position and, yep. and weren't going to listen to anyone or anything that didn't back up their existing um, their existing decision their existing bias yep. on, on the on the situation however those some of those people will be sharing things and saying things that other people that um, for want of a better word would be a who might be a little bit more reasonable would actually take in and, yeah. and believe and you know like we were saying the other week when we were speaking to tom about uh, about kind of fake news you know we've i've seen on facebook locally um you know um things um posted uh, posted on facebook saying that there were x number of um coronavirus cases in qa hospital yeah. when they were being kept secret from us so that we didn't know and my simple question to the person making that post was and they and they'd caveated that post by saying i don't know if this is true or not but I wanted to share it. My simple question was, if you don't know it's true, why, why share, share it? Because that's not really responsible. And also, even if it is true, does that mean you're not going to go to hospital if you're sick? Well, and what, what, yeah. what change does that, does that kind of... At the end of the day, we owe it to each other to be kind and to actually tell the truth. There are sadly some people that are of the hopping mad persuasion on either end of the either end of the spectrum, on any and any argument, on any social political argument that you talk about, that, that aren't actually going to listen to well, reason, but we should have something to kind of be countering that. Of not everybody wants to understand how things work or why a decision is made. So lots yeah. of people take are quite are quite ready to okay, I trust this the, what this person is saying, so I'm I'm going I'm happy to go along with that. Some other other people, and this goes down to the the psychology of how people kind of process things, is that some other people need to know a little bit more detail or need to know a bit of rationale behind the understanding. And to be fair, um, in the PM speech on Friday, what I liked in how they'd actually set out the speech was that they would say, say there were you know an example was one of the things that he'd said about if you if you suffering if you're suffering from a fever. Or you are suffering from a um, uh, basically an ongoing cough, not you know a recent yeah. and on but ongoing cough. Um, if you're suffering from either or or, or, bo or both of those, what they were asking uh, people to do was to self isolate for seven days. Yep. Um, now what I thought was was interesting was that because all the other advice that's that they've given before, and indeed that other countries have used, talks about isolating for fourteen days, but then. What the, what they'd said was, but uh, and I forget whether it was the the um, the chief scientific officer or the chief medical officer, um, but then went on to explain what the rationale behind mm. that was. So I thought that was good in the way that the speech was laid out. Was that was that um, was that uh, the PM said, and my colleague will be will be we, we yeah. explaining that in a sec. So in in that respect, I think that's the right thing to do. But I think with some of the some of the stuff, I I can see the personally I can see the logic of actually what they what they seem to be doing and how they're discussing things isn't we're going to do this bang is that actually what they're doing is preparing us for psychologically for actions that they may need to take so that when they do need to take those those steps if they need to take mm. them um, 
that um, that they're not such a shock. The you know the the thing about we're not asking you know this is again what the PM was saying about not asking family members of people that are isolating to isolate as well. Um, that the government aren't asking people to take that step at the moment, but that step may come. And it's those little, I think those things help uh, and are and are good. But I think in this day and age, a press conference on a Friday without um, a constant stream of information, it doesn't have to, in the end of the day, it doesn't have to be by the PM um, to explain those those kind of things. I think would help try to counter and I, th I, I get that it's stemming the tide but try to counter yeah. some of the rubbish well i think i think that yeah. but this is where i think uh, this is where i think we're in a different time simon mm. which is that which is that i i genuinely believe that a a, a high proportion or not a high but a significant minority are simply choosing to believe the worst because Boris is delivering the message. And, and, and there is an okay. element of whatever he says, even with the support, you know, the, the, the seven days, and you say, the whichever one of the scientists then went mm -hmm. on to explain that, there are still those, yeah, it should be 14 days. It's playing fast and loose. And, and to just, be fair, what you said was at least seven days? Yeah. yeah. So, but, you know. <laughs> but there, there is an element yeah. of, of, you know, to... To, to move this discussion on, mm. it, it is, you know, it, it is clear that this isn't the, you know, this isn't the end. This isn't even the end of the beginning. You know, there are going to be other, other things are going to happen mm. further down the line. And, you know, part of what's very clear is that you have to, you have to time those moves right for them to have maximum effect. Um, and you know there, there is an element of, of, you know, we, we and we'll touch on it in a minute. We've already seen that for some people, even the modest asks that the government has made at the moment has sent people into batshit crazy. You know, you can't find a toilet roll in Tesco's for love nor money. Well, you might you might be able to, but I was I was in Tesco's this morning, and I can I can report that there was there was not a single lavatory roll um, to be had well, in the entire building. It, 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 and the 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 problem with the problem with panic buying is that the more that people see that there is panic buying, and the more yep. people see that there are empty shelves, and 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 I. I, I, again, I discussed this with kind of you know some of the worst case scenarios um, uh, uh, about what might happen in the event of a when we were talking back in the back in the day. Remember when we talked fondly about Brexit and yeah. you know here we are. You know, yeah. never did we think that we would actually be. You know, maybe we might yeah. be wishing that yeah, we were yeah. still talking about Brexit. Yeah, you think um, this one was big? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Hold my pint. Yeah, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nature is saying, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, it would be that. Actually, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't necessarily be. Uh, you know, even if there are delays, delays in the supply chain, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because the more people see empty shelves, the more even even the most rational of people arrive at the conclusion. They go. They they go from the conclusion of. So you kind of go on a journey. So some people do it, um, and they and they kind of go into it. Well, 
if they're if they're doing it, what what do they know that I don't? Mm. So that kind of encourages some people to join them, and then and then you kind of get you know that steadily the rest of the people kind of say, well, I still don't believe there is an issue, but nonetheless I can see in front of me, so the evidence is there mm. that there is no stock. So I have to buy up everything of what I can, um, and, and you kind of see it every. I mean, I I used to work in food retail, so I, kind mm. of, I used to see it every Christmas, every year. There'd be kind of this mad panic. That, that kind of takes place because people and you know in those days you know a lot of the shops were actually shut for two days rather than only just one and it still kind of seemed to be the case that look, you, the, the world isn't going to end you yeah. don't need an emergency supply of cranberry juice that's going to last you three years you you don't you don't um you know you, you really don't need a spare turkey tin you don't and you end up just buying loads of random stuff it's almost the kind of situation that retailers seek to create in the you know the Black Friday deals is this kind of fever oh, yeah, 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 um, to just buy anything because yeah. you just don't want to miss out. Yeah, you, so you, it, you wouldn't want to miss out on this deal. Yeah, but and it's a, it's a television I, from yeah. a company that I've never heard of that actually is only £20 cheaper than the one that I bought last year um, and actually is normally £80 dearer but isn't actually any better, so why am I buying it now? But it's good, it's an offer and everyone's they're, yeah. they're going off the show. So it, it, it can kind of, in that way, it actually spreads like a virus yeah, in yeah. the sense that people kind of go a, go a bit mad. So it's it's the, and, and I can understand the fear. I can understand people panicking, especially if they've got vulnerable mm. uh, loved ones to look after. But, you know, if you're, if you're um, but the trouble is, is that those are also the people, you know, the people with very limited incomes um, or, you know, with, um, with low mobility. Yeah, they're yeah. not the ones that are going to be able to go into Tesco and, and stock up with, you know, eight, eight, nine packs of Andrex toilet roll. They're not the ones that are, that, you know, that are, are going to go and buy, you know, loads of, loads of hand gel. It just, I, I don't know if I, if I could make any plea, if, other than the plea that I've probably already made, if I can make any plea to anybody, it would be, come on, please, let's just pause and think. Yeah, yeah. Play, play, uh, play nice. Other people actually need this stuff. Um, and it, it, it you know you, 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 you the toilet rolls you you're not going to use them anymore you're not going to use them any quicker than you were before so you're just going to not literally sit on um half a year's supply of toilet rolls for you know and all that does is is stop someone that actually might need them actually going to get them conveniently and then them having to basically get steadily more inconvenienced by going around all the shops in the area trying to find somewhere so it, it's a it, it, it's it's a shame but it's kind of a bit of the human dynamic i guess yeah i yeah, know i think so so we, we look at what our government is doing yeah. and and you, you've taken the time to do some research i have and uh so don't, don't worry these aren't all the same page these aren't all the, this is just where i've I kept flicking through my pages to try and find our telephone number, but couldn't. So, um, okay, so, uh, yeah, in no particular order. So, Austria's banned all gatherings over five people. Over five? Yeah. Oh, that's... Yeah. Um, and schools and most shops are shut. So that they've taken, they've taken that step. Um, France's local elections are still taking place today, but turnout's down by about five percentage points. Um, uh, but restaurants, cafes, cinemas, nightclubs are shut. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, again, the, uh, the tone about our government's response is that it, it hasn't been serious enough. 
And, uh, you know, it's interesting how different perception there that, you know, we've said, right, elections, punt them a year down the road. And the French who are, you know, perhaps being more draconian in terms of their their meeting spaces have said, oh, we'll, we'll carry on with the elections. But are, are they, I mean, if you were, if you were, I mean, obviously this is an election that's happening today. Yep. So if, if you were that committed, to be honest with you, I think the, the, I think the rationale behind us putting ours off is there's lots yeah, of preparation must, work yeah, that has still to go out. on that's a, that's fair, ahead fair. whereas if you if it not being funny if it, if it was due to happen tomorrow that's already done that's already committed yep. you know so um yeah so that's kind of weird um just to nip across the pond for a second so america have increased their screening requirements for u.s citizens that are returning from europe um, and they've, um, have they? Add, I'm not sure if they've added the UK and Ireland. Yes, they have. They have. Yep, yep. Yeah. So basically, we're on the list of um, that, and uh, the long queues that they're suffering at airports, basically, to to conduct those tests. Um, Louisiana and Georgia have rescheduled their forthcoming Democratic primary elections. So the battle between Bernie Sanders and um, oh, good grief, can't remember the other guy's name now. We're going to hear a lot about him because yeah. he's going to win the election in well, November. This is true. Ten. Um, um, no. No. Oh, good grief. That's no. really awful. Um, the other bloke. Aust- the other bloke. Australia has ordered a 14-day quarantine for all arrivals starting from midnight Sunday, so um, 1,300 hours GMT. So they're so clo- similar to New Zealand. So they're clo- they're effectively closing the borders? Um, well, they're not refusing entry. They're just saying if you get here, you've got to go into quarantine for 14 days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, that's, th- that's different to closing the borders. We're talking of borders. Um, so you, you talked earlier on about the Premier League um, being suspended. Apparently, there's football games. I don't understand that, but yeah, that's fine. Not, not, my, not my thing. You can you can cover. You can you can. I'll do the sport angle. You can <laughs> you can do the sport. Um, Germany from Monday is going to close its borders with Austria, France, and Switzerland. Oh. Um, Hungary has closed land borders with Austria, Slovenia, closed all schools, and placed restrictions on public gatherings. Now the restrictions on public gatherings. Are, I'm going to put a ten pound note on the table. That's going to come in this week. I, I, I would. I, I reckon you'll hear that by the end of the by the end of the week. Now the interesting thing with it is this. You know, it's the public gatherings. It's it's kind of what constitutes a public gathering. You know, the sporting piece. I get that's hundreds of thousands of people, but it's that kind of. And this is where another string is that oh, well, they're more interested in the economy than they are in the health of the people and I was thinking about this mm. because there is an element of if you close pubs and cafes and restaurants and bars and cinemas and all of those things for the small independents or the smaller chains they're dead never going to recover from that Um you know, because and well, I thought about this, so I, I, I'm, hmm. I'm a, I work for the rugby club for free and gratis development officer, and I, I thought about this. So, if you closed, you know, if we said right, we can't play local rugby anymore, we have to close the rugby club. Well, we've got some money's worth, quite a considerable amount of money's worth of beer, because obviously we're a going concern, and rugby players like beer. Do they? They do. Well, that's all going to go in the drain. That's going to go off. You know, we you close that down for two, three weeks. All of that goes in the bin, and really, yeah, it's gone. I can hear no, a thousand not, rugby players crying. Well, it's, it's, it's the sadness of lost beer, but no. it's it's the element of 
you know, small clubs like us, mm. that is thousands of pounds. And I, you know, again, we, we've got, you know, we've got one employee and some casual bar staff, but they aren't going to, you know, the casual bar staff aren't going to work. The people that are working in the hospitality industry are famously poorly paid. And you, you can't, you start looking at that and thinking, well, um, it, it's risk. And, and it, what I go, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not fat cat Tory speculators and futures traders that the, the economy that that an act such as shutting these things down is going to hurt. It's it's the little people, and I don't mean that in a derogatory. But it's the it's well, the people yeah, that I mean, work in the, the industry. Well, the, the the small medium enterprises, which are, you know, which are the backbone of the country. Yeah, um, they would be hurt the most, and. To be fair, over the last couple of years, they've they've had a lot of uncertainty to deal with, yeah. and there's there's lots more to there's lots more to come, perhaps. Um, and this is just another level of uncertainty. So for lots of them, this I, this will be quite a but you know this this worry even that even the talk of the worry is enough to put some customers off, yeah, uh, the, and therefore enough to to create a downturn in in their trade. Yeah, the, the, there's that. But I you know again. It, you know, we, we've got a great local butcher around the corner in, in Tregaran Avenue, which we go and frequent. If you tell them to shut down for two weeks, well, all the meat that they've bought in for this week, is going in the bin. And, you know, the, the, that's not uncertainty. That's the um, write-off of a massive chunk of your stock and no income for... However many weeks you're shut. Well, I, I yeah, I, I get the point. You get the point you're trying to make, but in those circumstances, people would still need to eat. So, however it would be organised, supermarkets, um, people would still need to have food. So, well, because um, supermarkets, yeah. supermarkets got the infrastructure, haven't they? And they've also yeah, got the okay. finances to be able to survive. The issue that the issue that the you know and uh, look. If it's what needs to happen, mm. it's what needs to happen. But it is that balancing act that that for so many of you know small businesses, and I, you know, and I, I, they are never coming back from that. Um, no, that's that's true, and I guess. Um, but these are the sorts of decisions mm. at the end of the day that the that the government and local authorities are having to make about. Um, uh, about how to kind of deal with those sorts of things. At the end of the day, these you know those sorts of decisions are extremists, and what how to deal with the knock-on effects of them um, are necessarily secondary because at the end of the day, people's lives are mm. more you know more important than people's livelihoods. But at the end, you know we're not uh, we're not you know we're not in that sort of situation but at the end of the day that's why you have people that do civil contingency planning yep. that's why that's why you make you know plans for um, civic emergencies so you, you kind of deal with that but it, but to get to you know to see countries so um you know spain for example people are told uh, not to leave the home except for work or to buy essential medicines and food so basically don't leave the house for anything you enjoy <laughs> just mm. leave the house for things that you have to do um so that you know um, and the Czech Republic um, declared the entire current country uh, quarantine and has closed its borders. Um, and Italy, is, as, as probably everyone's aware, has been in a nationwide um, lockdown since, since Monday. So, 
there's varying different responses mm. um, across the planet, um, and indeed even even across Europe. Um, so there's there's a you know there's a there's a different kind of response. But I guess the only truth, the only thing that people, the only truth that people can be certain of is that only time will really tell. Mm. And, um, and that is where you know the program I referenced earlier mm. was fascinating yet terrifying in in equal numbers because when they ran the simulation you know about an uncontrolled arrangement the number of people who died were very similar almost to within a couple of thousand of the number of people who died during the second world war you know, it gets scary and um for reference that um that program is called contagion it's the yep. bbc4 pandemic yep. um so if you if I, you look I, that up on bbc iplayer i would genuinely i would really encourage any and all of our listeners to go and have a reader that go and have a watch of that because it, it's it it's good science and it was done at a time when we weren't in the situation we are now with everything on fire all around us so it, it, it you know again it, it, it is a it, it's a, yeah it, it, it's good stuff to it's good watch. stuff so to so to kind of round us off with something a bit positive then What's um what I've um what's been interesting to see is that um you see community groups popping up mm. or people suggesting on Facebook to this is where so the power of social media is is to a positive good is the people offering to go get um, supplies for neighbours or for, you know for neighbours that have um been isolated or for that are in able you know that are in high risk categories so you know feel that they they need to isolate so um there's that kind of I think that's really, really powerful to see, and really heartening to see that taking place. Yep, and and I think that, that you know it, it's interesting that that I think that we are going to get through it. So that is, you know, it is not going to wipe out the population of the UK. It is going to be bad. It's probably going to be very bad, but ultimately we will come out the other side. And I say we. Might not be me, but you know, th th as a country, as a nation, we will come out the other side of it. And I think there is that element of the only way to get through it is going to be if people are prepared to work together and put themselves out a little bit for the people, you know, for those less fortunate in their community. And and you know, I, I think there is that element where you know, if any good can come of something like this. That that's where the opportunity, you know, that's where the opportunity comes. You know, social isolation for you know the elderly has been a has been an issue for some time that that you know hasn't necessarily been tackled. No, um, um, well, to be blunt, maybe if more of us have to experience it, then maybe we'll actually be more inclined to tackle it. Mm. Um, maybe if a load of us have to um, have to work from home for a bit, we'll understand what needs to be done to enable the country to work from home effectively to make the sorts of changes that you know that, that are required to, to to make that actually more of a, more of a norm so in that respect um then i i guess um yeah let's you know yeah yeah there's some it you know it looks like there's some you know there's sadly some there's obviously this this awful pandemic that's 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 going around um we can do some simple things to help protect ourselves and protect our families and to help our, each other um, which are quite simply to you know to wash our hands properly for for twenty seconds and for for us to keep surfaces clean um, and for us to um, 
not buy up the shop when we go in there and mm. to you know to to treat each other you know every everybody will be worried about their own family about their own loved ones so um my family isn't more important than, than you know than someone else you know the person that goes into the shop after me so you know at the end of the day as much as i love them by the way um you know at the end of the day i think that's right we be kind be kind let's be nice to each other let's help each other um and um, regardless of whatever happens about instructions from the government or otherwise about meeting in public places, that doesn't affect podcasts. No. So whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, you'll still be able to listen to us. Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll keep broadcasting, won't we? We will. So, well, thank you very much. Um, we didn't seem to have many people join us for live, whether that's our connection issues again. And if it was, I'm sorry, I shall sort those out um, in time for next week. Um, but, well... You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. Blue and yellow, till we die. Well, I'm not sure we can do till we die anymore. It all sounds a bit ominous and prescient. But anyway, I am currently still Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm definitely still Simon Sansbury. <laughs>